0: Welcome to Stream Detroit, live from Greenlancer. or about as live as you can get for a recorded show. I'm Mike McClintock, this is Brad
1: Fox with us. Uh, hey, joining everyone. us today is uh, Michael Sharber, the
0: co-founder and v- executive vice president, and uh, Matt Howe, the chief technology officer at yep. Greenlancer. Lancer. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks Great. for coming on. It's yeah, a, thanks it's a show of many firsts.
2: Yeah, this is awesome. So this is our first show, our first off-site, um, and secondly, it's our, our first show with with. Two guests, so we're, we're really crazy, okay. we're really mixing it up. Yeah, so everything's going to go
1: wrong, so we'll just have to get
2: over it. But that's why it's not really going to be live, it's why it's going to be edited. it's why it's never really right. live, but live live
0: from as far Detroit. As, as
2: far as you know. Probably. Yeah. Right.
0: So we're here at Green Lancer in the uh, fashionable downtown Detroit, Michigan. What, you know, it's interesting to me your, what, what business you guys are in right now. It's not only green, but the Lancer part is what really gets me where, you know, it's like freelancer almost is the word because you're pulling together. It's like you're building like an iTunes for for the solar industry. You know, so you've got you've got you've got the, the, the solar part of it, but you're also cobbling together and bro- not really brokering. You're like building an iTunes for for the whole entire industry. Is that am I like figuring that out? Sort of kind of like? right. Ah, uh, sort of kind uh, of. which kinda means which means there. nothing.
1: I'm not even close.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I uh, will kind of. I guess maybe circle back on that with the whole Green Lancer. It's like Green Energy Freelancer. Right. And solar is the industry where we're currently in. So uh, what we do is we've standardized the design and permitting process within the solar space. Okay. We've chunked it out to bits and pieces that we crowdsource to not freelancers but green lancers. Right. So green lancers are like qualified freelancers that have industry expertise within the solar space. Okay, so what's like industry expertise in the solar space? Is that like an electrician? Is that like a roofer? Is that like, what is that? Correct, it can be both. So we have uh, electricians, uh, professional engineers, mm-hmm. uh, NAPSEP certified engineers, uh, people with accreditation and education that are specific to skill sets within the solar industry
2: okay. so you guys are kind of like the connective tissue really of, of all those disparate seemingly disparate pieces right so whether it's panel manufacturers contractors residential commercial people who want to you know go solar or at least you know participate in kind of getting off the grid to a certain degree so you guys are kind of that connective tissue piecing those all together is that is that
1: um. We're not B 2 C right, or, or yeah, we're not B to C right now. We're B 2 B, so it's not taking the, the consumer side of things, but it is definitely uh, making, you know, streamlining things from the, uh,
0: the contractor side of things. So once um, the contractors have sold the
1: customer on uh, going solar, mm-hmm. so that be the homeowner. Um, from there, we basically take over and, and then uh, we help them through the actual sort of paperwork and all the rent. side of yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So look at it like this: Anytime a solar system is installed. Every project needs designs. And that's what we do. We got it. What so kind have of designs? So so why do they um, need to design it? Why can't I just slap one on roof? It? So it's <laughs> just like if you put a pool in your backyard or mm-hmm. you're building a, an addition on your house, you need to apply for a permit. Same thing if okay. you're putting oh, okay. a solar system on your house. So we actually furnish permit drawings, plan sets, like essentially the blueprints used to build and install these systems. So in order to get the permit, you got to do the design. Correct. Or in order to do
1: the design, is that that takes an engineer.
0: Does okay. in most cases, or designer we call? Them. Okay, um, but depending on you know the type of project, the complexity of the project, um, you might have to have professional engineers review the drawings and then stamp the drawings. Okay, so there's different levels of skill sets. I guess so. You have those as green answers. So the engineers okay. and what else besides the engineers? Electricians. Yes. Yeah, so, so you gotta we- have an electrician. Obviously, yeah. we'll it okay, right. right, absolutely. So look I at, can do uh, it, but you know. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> so look at it this way. Um, it's similar to like, uh, I guess, union halls. You know, in union mm-hmm. halls you have tool and die makers and people that work on the production line. Uh, we take different skill sets and group them into not union halls, but talent pools. Mm-hmm. So we have a talent oh, pool of okay. electricians. Wow, yeah. We have yeah. talent pools of NETSAP certified designers uh, who might be specking systems mm-hmm. and, um, you know, verifying equipment and then the electrical engineers actually doing the three-line diagrams. Yeah. And then people like reviewing and stamping okay. drawing or something. Uh, and then maybe a, a college kid who's doing just CAD design uh, for 3D layouts and things like that. Okay. So, like, would, it, would contractors be part of that? You know, so make, say you're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a general contractor or you're a roofing guy or something, and you want to, like, get in on starting to put these in, but you don't really know how to do it. You don't have an engineer, and, and you don't have an electrician, and you don't have all this expertise, and you can't get all this expertise because maybe you're only going to do two of these jobs. Is that your market? you I know, mean, those are the kind of people that you're going to sort of be the back office for that contractor, and then the contractors are like the, you know, you're, you're almost performing a service for them because you're just feeding these contractors work, these elect- these engineers. Is that... Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. You actually hit the nail right on the head. Uh, but that explains kind of one of our customer segments. Mm-hmm. So we have primarily two customer segments. We have um, like your electricians, your roofing contractors, your general contractors mm-hmm. that are just now entering the solar space for the first time. Um, to your point, they lack the expertise. Um, they lack the industry knowledge. They don't have any solar um, solar expertise or don't have any engineers engineers on staff. So and
2: their customers are asking about it, right? It's like, hey, we're Correct. thinking about solar, so and the guy the contractor is like, well, I don't know anything about that, right? So right, this would be those great. are
0: perfect people because we can tell them the information they need to collect. We can provide them the designs, and once they have that information, I mean, these are professional contractors; they can build it and install anything, mm-hmm. but they need those blueprints to do so. So we are a simple solution and not going and hiring a bunch of engineers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know We're plug-and-play and come on our website and order the designs right. as we need them. So that's kind of a, one of our customer segments. On the other side, we have more experienced contractors that have solar expertise. They've been installing solar for years, but they're trying to reduce their overhead and scale their operations. And so we are a, a scalable solution to not you know, in, continue increasing overhead and hiring more people um, in a way to actually grow your business without growing your cost proportionately.
2: Cool. So I would imagine, like, on, you know, with contractors, that usually means like pulling permits. That can't be an easy process. Like, we had, uh, we did some work on our house a while ago. And mm-hmm. just, and, permits. and it's like, now, our, and I can't imagine that permits are permits, they're not standard, I wouldn't imagine, because you got to do with cities, you got to do with county, states. Is that, what does that look like for you guys? I imagine it would be challenging for a contractor. I mean, how does that look for, you, for, for kind of the solar industry? Yeah,
1: that's actually uh, probably the biggest pain point in the solar industry right now is because there are so many different jurisdictions with so many different requirements. You know, there's the, uh, the National Electric Code, National Fire Codes that get uh, released uh, every few years, but then uh, it's up to the jurisdictions to actually adopt those codes. And so they can take the codes as they are or they can make their own addendums to them. And so it really is a case-by-case basis on the different jurisdictions. And then there are thousands of these jurisdictions, so yep. there are thousands of different, um, different sort of
0: uh, building authorities, yeah, building departments, municipalities. Uh, but yeah, it's exactly right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, a point, bureaucracy. Yeah, a lot of red <laughs> a lot tape. Of, yeah. who knows yeah. handling a lot of way through. That's yeah. what all these guys are doing. Yeah, and yeah. so one of the ways we do that is the, um, you know, Matt just mentioned like that is the most difficult part of the process is the permitting because we have eighteen thousand different authorities having jurisdiction meaning you know permitting offices. Yeah, so that? what we do is every time a project is done in a new region or a new city that we haven't done work, the first step is calling the local building department and finding out are there certain requirements or constraints we have to work around. Once we find out what those requirements are, we can tailor our design specific to meet those requirements.
2: Got it. So you guys just dump their if they have a PDF on their website, their municipality website, you dump it in there and just say, okay, here's what we need to do. We need to do Steps you know, 1 through 15 to make sure that this is code and it's all good to go. And I would imagine that makes it a lot easier for, for contractors and so forth. And for everybody involved, right? that's part of the beauty of what you guys are doing. Right? Just yes. using some of the pain points that are associated
0: with... That's the craziest regulation. regulation. That's correct. <laughs> craziest <laughs> regulation, um, I mean, they're all pretty crazy. <laughs> right. I don't know if there's one in specific. That's on the sidewalk. I mean, some people don't want panels facing the road. You know, sort of depending on where you're at, they don't want panels on the front of the house, or Beauty, they, uh, or they, they can't be visible from the street. You know, or if you have, uh, you know, roof faces, um, you know, going east or going south, like you gives certain requirements on how you can actually where you can actually put the the raise at. So it's kind of like where you're where you're actually putting the system, how the system looks. They don't want it visible from certain places, um, where
1: you're going to put some of the meter boxes and
0: things like that.
1: And uh, some of the requirements actually make a lot of sense. You know, you've got different things to consider. Like in Michigan for solo, we've got snow load to consider. Mm-hmm. Down in Florida, you know, you've got um, wind speeds to you know take like, into consideration. Alligators,
2: that yeah, alligators too. Alligators, <laughs> alligators on roof. roofs. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, tornado gator. That's the next movie. You right? Just you seen of those that? Right? Yes, of it? course. <laughs> that's <laughs> where I was. That's what I was thinking about. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: so it makes sense, like, in, in that realm, you know, like, we you know, the U.S. is a huge space. There's a lot of ge- mm-hmm. sort of differences uh, to take into consideration. But, you know, even on a per-state basis, the I mean, you could be, uh, I mean, the, the contractor could be in uh, one sort of region operating in a few different cities and have to deal with, you know, like, well, over in Southfield, it goes in perfectly mm-hmm. down in Detroit, I'm having more trouble or something, you know, like, it's really... Right.
0: Um, low penalty specific yeah, yeah. so you got to know all
1: that stuff you got to figure out like what's what's all the little bugaboos, right or be able to figure
2: that out really well speaking of so this this is an interesting one so we talked about different you know in michigan he talked about snow loads arizona you know you have different considerations so backing up a little bit solar and detroit don't necessarily roll off. doesn't really roll off the tongue why detroit why did you guys of all things why did, did you get it? here how did you get here in Detroit. So do you want the long story or the short story? <laughs> we got time. Let's we got all day. Story. And all right. we have we have, we have editing too if it, if it goes yeah. too long. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, so uh,
0: yeah. I'll make it a long story, but a short story. So back in uh, 2009, I left my job. I used to be in industrial manufacturing. I worked for a large industrial supply distributor, selling heavy machinery equipment to a nationwide um, you know, account deck all Machine Shops. Um, our co-founder Patrick um, during that same time was working for a large solar company based out of San Diego. So him and I, you know, we've been good buddies since we were young kids. We grew up together, went to school together, and uh, he kept telling me how you know, renewables are the wave of the future and solar is like gonna blow up one day. And so we started working with a solar company and I go out to San Diego and visit with them and
2: now that would make more sense. Yeah. San Diego <laughs> probably has a little bit more sun, but
0: anyway. Yeah, so I mean like we go out there and that's when he started first telling me about this concept of like Green Lancer, and before it was different, and you know, we had two different companies and you know, long story short, though, I ended up leaving my job. I moved to South Carolina and started a painting company. Um, I came home for Christmas and met up with Patrick, who actually just got laid off because his company was downsizing. So he's like, you know, I got a few freelance jobs. Uh, you know, you want to get involved, I need some help. And so um, I never went back to South Carolina. I actually called my friend down there was like, hey, hang on to all my stuff, you know, get it when I get it. And I drove <laughs> straight to Denver, Colorado, and uh, we stayed on a friend's couch for a couple weeks, and then we moved up into the mountains and just... Skied and snowboarded and party, you know, and had a great time. And we started this. This whole, is the blueprint for how you start up. Yeah, yeah, this is it. This Every is, startup has this a great story. story. Every company has a has a great story. Yeah. I mean, it's just the fact that we're here. I'm excited about, you know, because it was a, it was a long journey. But you know, we started doing some freelance engineering, and you know, I started doing some like flushing out the business plan, the marketing plan, creating marketing material. And at the time, it was two different companies: it was Stellar PB, which was the engineering side. And then it was Green Scene, which was the sales and marketing side. So, you know, ran Green Scene, Pat ran Stellar PB. and eventually it just kind of meshed together. But while we're in Colorado, we're having the best time of our lives, you know, doing freelance work. So we're making money, we're skiing every day you know, like in, like, a beautiful country. And then we got hooked up with uh, DT, the local utility provider here in Detroit. Um, and there was an uh, uh, incentive program for solar that popped up in 2009. So they have no solar experience here, so we started designing systems here locally. Um, for dt directly and a few other contractors and so our plan was you know what let's move back to detroit for the summer we'll clean house we'll make a bunch of money buy a boat and (laughs) move back to california vegas right yeah Mm -hmm. off to the you know off to the the promised land from there so uh before we did that though um the plan was well you know i'm not ready to go home yet so we ended up wiring up my car and i just i still drive this car it's a saturn uh l300 2004 um, we wired up my car with an extra battery in the trunk um, with power strips and an inverter. We ran a two-gauge wire from the front battery all the way through the firewall into the trunk. So we actually have power in code? the car. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I
2: mean, totally. We, we, didn't, we didn't have to pull permit. For <laughs> it, but, okay, <laughs> okay. but it may have voided your warranty. Yeah, you can either confirm or deny, slightly, right? But
0: at that point, you know... <laughs> I wasn't worried about it. So that's, but, uh, that's why you
2: put the turntables in? It was. You know? It was. Okay.
0: We had a printer, man. We made flyers for parties on the road and everything. <laughs> wow. But so you had like a completely mobile office? We did. A mobile office. And we actually took two uh, 21-inch flat screen monitors and created these brackets behind them that slipped over your headrest. So Literally, I'd be driving, you know, be on the phone, and Pat would be in the back seat, you know, looking at the monitor and away in, hacking away on his laptop. Wow, that's and, better than the speakers in a Fiero. Oh, uh, <laughs> it, it was crazy. And uh, so we ended up driving, this was on June 1st of 2010. Uh, we ended up driving from where we were at um, in Summit County into Moab, Utah. And we had a big ski coffin on the car, and so we didn't really have any set plan other than, like, hey, we got friends kind of scattered all over the place. Spend the next two months on the road, and we hit, like, every major city, like, Eight or nine national parks, just like camping out, sleeping in the woods, sleeping on people's couches. Uh, but in those two months, we made more money than we'd ever made in our entire lives, you know, like uh, at that point in our lives. And so it kind of really dawned on us, like, wow, what if we could actually scale this? You know, so we continued cruising around for like two months, kind of doing our thing and having a t- the time of our lives. Uh, then ended up back here in Detroit, started doing a bunch of work. Uh, we moved into a Weston Book Cadillac, which just to give you an idea of how cheap it was to live in Detroit at the time, uh, we lived in the, moved into the Book Cadillac and rented a luxury condo that was 1,500 square feet on 27 to four. And it was cheaper than living in any of the suburbs around here. I mean, there was nobody down here at that no time. No kidding. Yeah. And so, I mean, it was sweet. And so we get here and we're like, you know, I'm, you know I'm, I was born in the city of Detroit, so I'm very familiar with it. And, uh but I was just like, "Holy shit! Wow, is it economical here compared to some mm. of the places we were just at?" Yeah. So as a startup, Silicon so like, Valley wages, Detroit yeah, expenses, man. and you know, <laughs> here we are. We're not making that much money, but enough to where we're living in this luxury, you know, yeah. five star <laughs> hotel and I, I mean, pretty woman style. Right. Gonna, so now you got to scale pretty woman style. Yeah, yeah. that's well, that's the idea, you know. Um, but I mean, it was sweet. So we started doing a bunch of work, and then all of a sudden, the incentive program ended, and we went out of business overnight. So it was Oops. like. You know because we put all our basket, our eggs in one basket here in the Detroit market so at this point start borrowing money off everybody we know and anybody that would loan it to us and trying to revamp our business model and this is when kind of stellar pv and green scene just meshed into what we now have as green lancer um so we uh started cold calling people and revamped our business model got a couple of clients on board and then uh you know we start you know, thinking about like, hey, we need money. And so then we started figuring, you know, we'd raise capital. And we didn't even know what raising capital meant at that time. You know? It was so just we, a fancier uh, you, term for you saying borrowing you money, know, right? Yeah, we did. We literally Googled it. I didn't even know what the <laughs> was. You know? How did you get
2: your first funding?
0: So uh, we approached... Other than uh, friends and
2: family, right?
0: Yeah. So our good friend was, was our attorney. We approached his family. that Big construction business, we got a small little seed investment, but that was enough to be like, oh man, we can pay all these people back that we owe money to and like get things rolling. Uh, then all of a sudden, we finally find out about this nonprofit business accelerator program that's starting called Pisdom, which was founded by you know Quick mm-hmm. Loans Chairman Dan Gilbert. And so, we're like, what is this? I'm like, ah, you know, I'm not paying much attention to it. But then I started looking into it more. I'm like, well, hey, this might be a good idea. And so, they list all these requirements you need a pitch deck, you need like financial projections and all you know all this stuff and stuff we never really created before but you know, did research created pitch decks and you know pitched to get into this accelerator program and you know we were one of like 30 different companies that they put through the program and at the end of it they only actually let one company in the program which was us That's awesome. um, so we got into it and you know we started working with some of their advisors and mentors and they introduced us you know, to some investors and then I spent like literally the next 12 months on you know the investor roadshow so Drive around the entire state, meeting with anybody and everybody I could. We were good at that already. You had the whole driving around. The country <laughs> yeah, country that, right that right? was the fun part. But but it's it like was trains, the, planes, and automobiles yeah, so, you yeah, know? Like, It was uh, trying to sell people on uh, a, a solar technology business here in Detroit was like right to my earlier <laughs> point. It's like
2: blink, and try blink, <laughs> blink. i was mean, an yeah. iPhone. You
0: know? So I mean, it, it was kind of crazy. I mean, raising capital here in Detroit is a very difficult thing to begin with let alone being a solar company, which nobody knows anything about. You -hmm. hear things in the news about solar and companies in the past that went bankrupt, and it's just uh, kind of put a negative or bad taste in people's mouth here. Uh, But, you know, things obviously have changed. This industry is busting at the seams. Uh, So we were able to raise a a large amount of capital, but it was in chunks. You know, I mean, it wasn't like we just met one investor and all of a sudden we had all this money. It was a couple years where, um, you know, we grabbed a little here, we grabbed a little there, we got to put the team on furlough until we can get that next little chunk, and you know, kind of piece it together. And now we have you know, twenty some odd full time team members and a whole network of freelancers.
2: So what does that what does that uh, kind of investment process look like? So let's say you get somebody on board. Do you have investors who are like, well, we'll give you we'll give you this amount. Let's call it an even number. We'll give you a million bucks. And if you meet this, this, and this, then we'll feed you a little bit more. What does that, you know, for for our listeners and viewers, what does that process look like? And I'm sure it's different. I'm sure it's different for, you know, every startup. Right. But for you guys, what did that look like? I mean, do they say, like, here's a little bit, here's a little bit more? Do you have multiple investors that you guys go after? Yeah, no, that's that's an awesome question because it is different for every startup. So for us, it was
0: Patrick, uh, our co founder, and myself, you know, we sat down with some of our advisors and we were like, you know, these are the. This is the roadmap. These are the things we want to accomplish. This is the platform we want to develop. This is how much money we think it's going to take. And then we went out and opened up around the capital. So we decided on a certain valuation of what the company was worth, and then a certain amount of money we wanted to raise. And then we went and to told our story to the world. So you know, it's just a. Uh, once you have, like, I want to raise this much money, you go out and recruit every investor you need to to get to that. You know, um, usually one investor doesn't come in. and They want to get other investors involved. um, To de-risk, as they say, right? mitigates risk. Exactly. Um, And then investors, you know, they'll put in a certain amount of money. And if you hit certain expectations and milestones, they'll
2: continue. Revenue, et
0: cetera. Or even like,
2: you know, strategic business plans, all those little diamond points along the way. They might, here's a little bit more. If you guys do this, not necessarily revenue, because if you're starting up, sometimes revenue doesn't come right right out of the chute. Like you open up the door and all of a sudden people come flooding in on, you know, Black Monday. Right. So, that's how it
0: worked right yeah just like getting that boat did you have a right. prototype when you were when you were raising uh, so i mean or did you have actually, a prototype coming out of Bizdom? no believe it or, or not we, we pitched everybody on this whole web-based business um and we didn't even have a we had a website but we didn't have a platform so we were providing these uh same services essentially that we're providing now <laughs> but it was more like Bring order manual style. So you're yes. a straight up lean startup style. And you were like, just do it on paper before yep. before you actually automate it and put it in and make, make sure it's working. So That's you proved, exactly you proved right. that the whole entire concept was going to work without building a multi million dollar platform. Correct. And then you said, Matt, make this. That's pretty, pretty much how it went. So how's it, how does <laughs> no it work?
1: No pressure, Matt, how's right? It work? And the next day, we're... BAM! You <laughs> threw a bunch of papers at him and
0: said, like, yeah. make, make that paper go away. How does it work? Um, How's how's the platform
1: itself work? Yeah, um, so it's fundamentally an e-commerce platform, so uh, contractors can log on to our website and order the services they need. Um, Primarily it's the permit package, those blueprints that we were talking about earlier that we're selling. Um, And then from there, that's kind of the the customer side of things is pretty straightforward sort of Mm -hmm. e-commerce platform. And then uh, we built the actual, like, what we consider the platform. This this concept of a virtual assembly line. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's basically these these tasks that we crowdsource out to our network of freelancers. Mm-hmm. Um, so each task gets released to a relevant talent pool, and basically we just string these tasks together in a virtual assembly line sort of fashion, and. Uh, the, the platform itself handles all the logic of mm-hmm. releasing those tasks and, you know, the critical path. Sequentially
2: and what you have to do at certain points and all that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow,
1: that's so that's cool. that's that's the core of what we built there. And uh, so pretty much an order comes in. We've already, um, you know, our production team over here has, has built the uh, kind of designed the actual assembly line of what, what work needs to be done when and, and who's doing it. Um, and so they've basically taken the platform program, the actual assembly line into it. And then, so a customer places an order, it comes in, the task, the first task gets released. Uh, Once that's completed, the second task will get released. Any task we can release concurrently will get released at the same time. So it's all just, basically at the end of it, we've got a a finished product, you know, because we've got several people working on it along the way, providing their expertise. And uh, at the end of it, we've got the finished product.
0: So how's how's the platform team? Like, what are you you trying to build it in now and what are you going to rebuild it in later?
1: Yeah, um, you mean like technology web? Mm-hmm, yeah, what's the stack? Yeah, so uh, pretty traditional web stack actually. We're on the Lamp stack, so we got Linux, mm-hmm. Apache, um, MySQL, and uh, PHP
2: mm-hmm. on the back end. LAMP, I even picked up on that one. That, yeah, 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 right I well. <laughs> yeah. I I can count, but I just figured out L A M P stands for something. Yep. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so so that's the the stack that we're on. You know, we've got a lot, a lot of PHP on the back end. Uh-huh. Um, uh, each. So sort of customer-facing dashboard and freelancer-facing dashboard, those are single-page JavaScript applications. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot more flexibility in, in what we can do there um, and, you know, the, the whole page doesn't have to refresh. It's right. more of like a, a native app sort of feel. Um, so then we've got our API communicates with the back end uh, and that's basically technology. Um, so who,
0: what kind of people are you looking for?
1: Developers, talented developers. Yeah. What's that a thing.
0: talented developer look like? Are you looking for um, PHP? Does it have to be that? No, it doesn't It doesn't have to be that. No, definitely um, Lisp.
1: Somebody, We do actually, we have got some Lisp going. You got in some Lisp company. going, oh, really?
0: Yeah. No we're, shit. We're, we're nerding out really? on that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to nerd out for a minute. I'm just going to let my
2: problem. eyes roll back in my skull right now. looking for Lisp programmers in Detroit. How do you find Lisp
1: in Detroit? Actually, we found him in Sweden. We found him in Sweden. We Lisp programmers over in Sweden. What are you using Lisp for? Um, that's what drives AutoCAD actually. So AutoCAD, uh, you know, really? kind of like in Excel, you got Excel macros yeah. and something you can build. So yeah, we've got... AutoCAD's um, driven in Lisp? They've got their own flavor of it. It's called AutoLisp. But yeah, that's, that allows 18, us to... There's 18,000
0: municipalities in America and AutoCAD's driven by Lisp.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, the uh, the Lisp part of it is actually to drive the templates. Um, so this was a this was actually a huge step forward for us and this yeah. happened quite recently. Um, You know, our permit documents are about 15 pages Mm -hmm. um, of blueprints. And so there's an awful lot of, you know, the the customer name, the customer information, the contractor's logo that need to go on these templates. And so we were just paying freelancers to do that. And it was just kind of data entry almost. You're in CAD, but you're just typing. You're reading over here and typing over here. Right. So um, we decided to automate that through the use of Lisp. So Mm -hmm. basically we kick out uh, a dump of data from our database. Or, you know Relevant to that one service, run this lift script, which does all the data entry to the template, you know, for us.
0: Right. So you're doing like microservices now with that. Um, probably sitting around. We haven't. A,
1: we're still a manual process on that because mm-hmm. we're kind of prototyping it. But that was it. it literally it took off what was it, like 90 minutes worth of work. Or, you know, something. So at least amount. 60, 60 yeah. or 90 minutes. I think
0: it's right around 90 minutes. Is yeah. that where it's going? Towards we're gonna do like microservices and start building out little. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like so you know, you
1: got these tasks that are uh, you know we've got people working on these tasks, but we mm-hmm. we definitely want you know the list to be running on the server too. So then the server basically just does that task for us. Right. And, you know, so definitely more microservices. So we have uh, different um, scripts that do various functions for us. Right. Know? So our first. And then you sort can of write them in anything. Then, yeah. Exactly.
0: So so you're using like uh, AWS now or something, and then
1: yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. So um, Amazon Web Services. Oh, look at that! Look at that. I hang around Mike enough to know that AWS is Amazon Web Services. Yeah. Yeah. Now now I'm going to continue back to my eyes rolling back in my skull. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: that's kind of cool. So I mean, you may be the only place in town where you're in Detroit where you're going to do uh, microservices and Lisp at a startup. Yeah, it's pretty advanced probably. technology, right? So, I mean, it's like a selling point. You know, you got it's not like you just have to come in and do PHP. Right. So maybe you can leverage your PHP skills into something else.
1: Yeah, actually, to get back to your, your question a little while ago about what sort of developers we're looking for, it's kind of the uh, computer science background um, mm-hmm. and a couple years of experience, and specifically sort of web experiences is, is kind of what we're looking for because we are a web platform. Um, so just, you know, object-oriented, um... Got a little, a couple years experience, mm-hmm. sort of thing. So they, you know, got some.
0: So is your guy from Sweden going to move to Detroit?
1: <laughs> it's warmer
2: here. Yeah, no, it's true. Like kind of, yeah,
1: I mean, there's more sunlight. It uh, yeah.
2: So, how do you guys? Speaking of, you know, developers, how do you, I, how do you recruit, or where do you recruit? Because I mean, more and more, Detroit's becoming less of a stigmatized community. I think, uh, from a technology standpoint, I mean, you have great universities that are surrounding us: Wayne State, Michigan State. And then other one in Ann Arbor. But anyways, um, I mean, how do you guys... I'm kidding. I went to state. Everybody knows the inside joke. Um, How do you guys recruit... Like, if you're recruiting out of state, for example, like, how do you bring somebody to Detroit? What's the selling point? Because there's a lot of... I mean, we can see there's a lot of cool shit happening in the city, which is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there's probably... There's a lot of bad things that are happening, too. How do you guys recruit those people? Yeah, so... uh...
0: I mean, it, it's not easy, you know, when you're yeah. talking to people in places like California. And, and all they see is ruined porn. Yeah. I, mean, I realize I mean, it's, it's like, like, you know, it, it goes back to you can't believe everything you see on TV. Yeah. Um, and yeah. what people, mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, fail to realize and what we really try to emphasize, like, you know, Detroit is the home of innovation. I mean, from yeah. Henry Ford and the assembly line, Thomas Edison and the light bulb. Amen, I mean, brother. the temptations in Motown, I mean. You no know, other record company in history had as much influence on cult culture and, you know, music and, um, and style than Motown Records. I mean, there's a lot of innovation that took place here in Detroit. And, you know, there's this whole, um, you know, transformation from the old muscle to brain economy that's taking place. And, you know, now all of a sudden we wake up one day and we find ourselves in this technology corridor and all these startups, taking, you know, mm-hmm. starting up and all these people moving downtown. And, you know, I look at the transformation just from... You know, when I moved back from out west uh, five years ago and there was, you know, I mean, be careful walking around downtown. I mean, it's literally like, you know, I mean, of course we still did, but I mean, it wasn't the safest place, but now it's like, you look around, there's people mm-hmm. everywhere, there's all these new businesses popping up and a bunch of really, really cool stuff to do. It's and, cooler than downtown Royal Oak. Like, oh my God! It's it's so cool. That's, that's why That's why all the people from the suburbs are starting to move I know. It's, yeah. What's crazy is you have... You know, like this boom that's taken place over the last couple of years, and, mm-hmm. and you have all these businesses moving down, and then all these people, but it's just more people moving into, into the city than you have places or housing
2: available for them yeah. to mm-hmm. live right now. That's a conundrum on its own, right? And yeah. but crazy but I, amounts of jobs and companies and startups and right. cool shit. And, you know, yeah, it's really easy Things to, like Stream Detroit. Yeah. You know? Exactly. You, Shameless exactly. self promotion in five, <laughs> four. <laughs> three. I'm kidding. Oh. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: It's really easy to get noticed, though. I feel like uh, you know there are a lot of opportunities down here. There's an awful lot of businesses with uh, open positions, you know, positions available. Mm -hmm. They're looking for talent, and it's just a matter of, uh, I guess, bringing people down here and seeing how you know vibrant it really is down here. You know, because like you're saying, people, you know, they see news stories or they see videos or pictures on the internet of what Detroit's like, and you know, there's a lot of grungy areas, but you know, it's. uh, Downtown, and it's just it's really flourishing. You know, it's It's really fun to
0: take people that haven't been downtown, and like for example, twenty two years, a couple weeks ago, somebody had moved out of town, came back, hadn't been downtown twenty two years, and was just like, "What are we gonna do down there?" Yeah, and Mm -hmm. just looking around. I mean, like just like, no, don't show me anymore. I can't take any. I can't take anymore. it's just too much.
2: That person's uh, brain was used to wig uh, shops all up and believe. down Woodward, and now there's no more wig shops, and What's what do you shop happen, for your wigs? Right? I have yeah, no idea. I know. It's <laughs> funny. Uh, it's happened the other day. It's I was not fair. Why I need a wig. For wig buyers, it's just not fair. Right. I used to, like, Are you calling around? me bald
0: again? Is that a, a veiled bald joke uh, that, again? No. I'm,
2: this, is, this is my favorite. <laughs> I'm wearing my favorite wig right now. Right. <laughs> I call you this know, an old flappy. Bill Bonds. <laughs> yeah, it's the Bill Bonds special. You <laughs> So you guys talked about your freelancers, or as you guys call them, your green lancers, and so we also talked a little bit about recruitment. So as, as kind of a, one of your marketing challenges, I would imagine, is to bring these green lancers on your platform. How do you guys? What does that process look like? How do you how do you market to them? How do you find them? How do you retain them? What does that process look like?
0: So we, uh, <laughs> there was do like a, a couple pronged mm-hmm. approach, two pronged approach, I guess. We like do direct marketing efforts and digital marketing efforts. So, um, direct would be like if we're going to trade shows, we went to universities before different um, events where we can recruit people, tech events. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also do digital marketing efforts and target people specific to like certain skill sets through say LinkedIn. So, if we're looking for more CAD designers and more electrical engineers, we can go directly through those sources. Um, and then we have a whole onboarding process. So, Greenlancers, they come to the website, they create an account. And then it walks them through the platform and getting started. Uh, so we qualify them on three things, accreditation, um, education, work experience.
2: And how does what is the retention, I mean, what does that look like? I imagine that once you know they have this really simple process, a really easy way for them to get jobs, right? How do you, uh, what is, I don't, without getting specific into numbers, but there's probably a retention process, right? Either you know, they're very, you're happy with them and they're happy with you, et cetera. So, I mean, how does the the things you do to kind of make sure you keep the retention rates up there, provided they're, you know, a good, uh, a good provider for you guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's uh, mostly about having work available for them. Um, I think early on we kind of struggled with this chicken and egg problem, you know, trying to uh, onboard a ton of customers Mm -hmm. who have a lot of work that needs to be done um, and trying to build this network of workers who want to do a lot of work. Um, so it's kind of like a, a two-sided marketplace that we're trying to build. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think the most important thing for retention purposes is
2: just uh, making work available too. Yeah, it's like a classic network of any sort, right? Yeah. Conundrum, right? Because, like, I've worked in the ad network business, you know, digital ad networks before. So there's kind of the publisher side and there's buy and sell side, right? So you have to be kind of putting this all together.
0: Balance
2: that. Yeah. yeah, it really is. you got to kind of ratchet up both sides. It's there's classic one. supply
1: and demand, Keynesian.
0: So That's how do you great. go about doing that? That's like almost like you, as you're building the your platform and you're designing the platform, how do you figure out how you got like the empty storefront syndrome, which I just made that up? Um, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> where, yeah, because it's like it's hard, right? Yeah, it's you like, like it. oh, you got to have them both. But in order to get one or the other, in order to get both, you have to have something. So how do you do that? Is that like part of the process of designing? It, it was a lot platform? of
1: processes, process improvement to get there. I feel like it was uh, right. it just... Streamlining our customer onboarding side of things, and then streamlining our, our agreements for onboarding, and make sure that we're we're not, you know, because right now actually we've got a wait list for Lancers. so really, yeah, we're not accepting new agreements currently. We just have a, a wait list, um, so it's kind of like the they, uh, the balancing
0: it, of really. just yeah. keeping both in track. Right. Yeah, so I mean, we we realize that recruiting people is not the hard part. I mean, there's tons of people all over the mm-hmm. country that have great skill sets and. And want work. Yeah, and the fact that they can not leave their house and you know for that matter not even put on clothes anymore if they don't want to and do work and get paid for it. Yeah, that's personal choice. If somebody silly. doesn't want to wear clothes,
2: I'm, I'm not, not wearing I'm pants not right them, now.
0: Who am I to them different? <laughs> but uh you know, so it's kinda like a balancing act, you know, we know what works coming in and because everything's standardized and broken up into these modules, we know exactly how long it's going to take, how much effort's going to be involved, and how many people we need to be able to support that work. So, mm-hmm. depending on what our ramp up looks like and what our forecast is, we know how many people we need to recruit and have a network to be able to maintain the work.
2: Now you have that, all that historical data that Matt's been building out. So, it's like, okay, right. it's, for this thing, it's going to take, we estimate this, and then you can say, it's going. To, we can pay you this that kind of stuff because you have all this historical data that shows
0: it just say big data you know, I, we, uh, <laughs> I
2: was I was weaseling into big, big data, but I <laughs> I decided not I just used the word data without putting yeah, data. Right now it's just data. It's all big data. It's just data. Yeah. It's all it is. Yeah so and then as far as like the retention
0: too we uh we have a recruiting staffing department that you know make sure we constantly stay engaged with freelancers, we get feedback, we're reaching out to them if we see that certain people that we're working a lot, and now they're not working, or, you know, hey, what's up? What's going on? Right. And, uh, you know, it can be a combination of things, Some people are, like, oh, I'm on vacation for the next couple of weeks, or, so, you know, a lot of these people are, you know, doing this as supplemental income, mm-hmm. so, you know, they're working when they have free time, or maybe it's mm-hmm. college kids that are, like, off oh, for the next couple of weeks, you know, back <coughs> to school and don't have time, so. You know, we have a pretty uh, diverse group of green and, you know, most of which are in the United States, and, you know, some that are elsewhere, so, I mean, it's, uh, a number of different things that can I guess, disengage people but uh, for the most part I mean you know people like working with us and continue working with us but again because they kind of have that luxury of work when you want you know on what you want and make as much as you want type mentality it's you kind know, work, 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 work. Yeah. of like situation a it's situation right. yeah exactly it seems like if I think of an electrician or something I feel like I was picture like a metal clip you it's yeah, like the order form on there. Oh, yeah, my paperwork. Mm-hmm. And so how do you communicate with that? I are mean, they, are they, is it they Do They're not walking around with a laptop. How are they figuring out, like, their workflow while they're out there? Is that part of the platform? Or? Yeah, we have all the workflows set up in the platform. For, so for them to actually do work for us yeah. or with us, you know, they yeah. have to log on to the platform and do things according to our process. And work for them. So you got, like, a, 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 a their iPad, or they probably do from yeah. their phone, really. So, or you, just you know, wrap like, it around you know. and that, that clipboard they have that yeah. they're writing everything down. We have that same clipboard, but in a digital phone. So, right. it's just kind of uh, showing them, like, hey, there's an easy way and, and, you know, mm-hmm. in the pen pad. Traditionally, the adoption of that. I mean, like really- uh, so, at first, it was slow, but when people realized, like, oh my god, I you see that? a lot of time doing it this way, mm-hmm. wow, that was so much easier. Mm-hmm. It makes more sense because when they're in the field and they're doing things and writing things down on paper, they still have to transcribe that into a right. platform of or, or sort of transcribe stuff. it into a box so that they lose and forget about for the rest of their totally. life. Totally, totally. In triplicate, canary, We keep the canary. <laughs> so yeah, it's like a, you know, it's like it feels like it's it's it used to be like a really paper-based business. You guys started out sort of building the whole entire platform manually, on right. paper, before you figure it out, well, how, does, how does that work when I mean, you're like going around with sticky notes, and, and yeah, literally trying some to, of it. yeah? So, I mean, I guess it's, uh you know, like, I'm, I'm not a programmer, I'm not a developer, um, you know, Patrick, our co-founder, is yeah. the, I mean, uh, technology agnostic, you know, we both are, but it's a matter of taking, like, a concept that you have in your head, and actually turn it into, like, platforms we now have, so systems. it things. was the systems that, yeah, absolutely. So systems can don't necessarily have to be you know, technical. They don't have to be a technology platform. No, it can be totally manual. But in order to take something that's that's an actual system and turn mm-hmm. it into that, you have to figure out what that system is. You have to be able to think and see that totally. whole entire thing. So how do, you, how do you pull that off? So in order to make your prototype, you had to come up with this system that was already working, start building it, start working it, start actually doing it. And then, then turn it into into software. software. How does that work? So early on, when it was uh, Patrick and myself, um, you know, before we raised money and built a team and all that stuff, it was a lot of using like Gmail and Google Sheets. So Mm -hmm. these forms we now have in our platform, where you fill out service details, we had them available in Google Sheets. You know, so people could fill out the sheets, we'd go and grab the information, then we'd email stuff, and we'd call over the phone, and then. People throw things in Dropbox, so we kind of hodgepodge all this stuff together, you know. And so it sounds like my world, you know. Yeah, you know, it can you know it can be very convoluted, you know. And so um, you know, it's sitting down on you know, in the early days, sitting down with Matt, and you know, being like, hey, you know, this is the product, you know, he's familiar. All right, I see what you guys are doing. Um, this is how we're collecting information. We got six different Google forms, and then. You know, once the information comes to us, we're calling people, and then we're emailing them, and then they're uploading things in Dropbox, and then they're calling us again. So it's kind of like laying out that whole uh, workflow, you know. and The, the system existed,
2: but to Mike's point, it's like, okay, now how do we Matt, help us because we're growing, we're doing all this other thing, make this thing work. How do we make it scalable? That's, right. Yeah.
0: And that's, you know, it took a lot of whiteboard sessions and sticky notes. How many times and, did you do it wrong? A lot. A couple a thousand lot. Millions. More, more than uh, yeah,
1: kind of rev the engine a little too hard early yeah. on, and broke the machine. Had yeah. to <laughs> rebuild it. And, you
0: know? Yeah, I well, mean, I, I guess that's the lesson, though. It's like it's it not, you you're not going to come up with the, with the idea of how to do something so in these complicated systems right out of the game. It's right. like okay, here it is, let's go. You know, it's like your business plan is like a roadmap that probably everything that has changed. Is that I mean, is yeah, a fair no, assessment, like that everything that you thought completely fair. Okay. Everything we thought we knew, we didn't know. Right. <laughs> well, that's, At least you, you had, know, had an outline of yeah. what you didn't know. You know, and uh, <laughs> it's it's a matter of uh, you know some of the things in our head, like you know we want to do it this way, and Matt being like, no, you can't do it this way. Yeah. It's got to be done mm-hmm. this way, and you know just actually sitting there and brainstorming, bouncing ideas around. You know, this is the whole goal. This is the objective, and these are the tactics. You know, that we need to execute on.
2: So, how does how do you guys manage? So, let's talk a little bit about. On that notion, now that you've got kind of things in place, let's talk about growth. You, know, you talked about building out the scalable system that you guys had in place now. So without getting into, we don't need to talk about specific numbers, but you know, obviously you guys have grown from you know basically two guys and a couple of laptops in the back of a Saturn L300. Did highly, I get that Highly right?
1: customized yeah. one, by
2: the way. Highly <laughs> customized one. <I can't>. Highly, <laughs> highly I modded. <laughs> I,
0: I think the mod it's community... Retro. Don't sell that car. Oh, no, I won't. I never... That thing has I'm true... i cra- driving it. I can't even let it go. I'm <laughs>
2: That has crossover appeal, right, for, for geeks who are like what, what you've done, putting cords through firewalls oh, and stuff okay. like that, how you've modded your car. But, so you built a system for, for growth and scalability. Talk a little bit about, without getting into specifics, you guys are growing from two guys and a couple of laptops to 20 people or so right now? About
0: 25, I think.
2: Yeah, so talk a little bit about that growth curve and what does that look like kind of down the road and how you guys built to manage and, and so forth. Yeah, I guess you always underestimate the amount of money you need to build
0: things and the amount of resources you need to build things. So, uh, you know, early on, it's like, all right, we need a technology team. Here we are trying to build this, this website and, you know, be this technology-based company, but we neither of us are technologists in terms of programmers and developers and stuff. So right away, that's an immediate need. You know, and so once we recruit a technology team to build it, it's like, all right, now we need somebody to go sell it to the world and tell how, how everybody how great it is. You know, and then we need, as we start getting more and more business, it's like, all right, we have this number of freelancers, freelancers but we also need actual, you know, operations people, people working inside and kind of, uh, you know, pulling levers and pushing buttons and looking at everything from a high level, you know, hovering above it. So um, it's kind of identifying, you know, where you need things for support from the technology side to the operations side to the sales and marketing side. and you know, as you continue getting money, you'll be like, all right, where can we best spend this money? You know, I'm a firm believer and it takes money to make money. I not want to just throw money away, but if it's increasing value, well, then you certainly want to fuel those efforts. So, I mean, it's just, uh, again, laying out that roadmap and figuring out, all right, what does that happen? What do we need to do?
2: And What are you guys thinking about? You know, I, I know you guys are focused on a very specific business model, but what are you guys thinking about? down the road? I mean, if you can kind of give us a little peek under the hood a little bit without revealing or divulging any sort of company secrets, what are you guys thinking about down the road? Say, are you guys thinking five years down the road? Are you thinking about, you know, product add-ons or, you know, different areas or avenues that you can go down? Wind, for example, you know, is that is that something that's on the horizon? I think in the
1: uh, the near term, it's kind of solving other problems in the solar industry, um, especially in regards to paper based problems, and the uh the paperwork and the red tape that they have to go through. Um, and then just providing more technology. So, you know, this is a very pen and paper industry and I, I feel like we can make a, a huge impact for the contractors by just
2: providing them with technology solutions. So there's still a lot of holes, there's still a lot of gaps in, in the solar industry that you guys think you can kind of plug in some of oh, those gaps. There's other services too that we don't
0: currently offer that are people are still doing brick and mortar style. You know, that it's like, wow, we can see how we can leverage our platform to be able to provide other services. And, you know, there's other services that, you know, engineering and design work, you know, these permit plans are the crutch of it all Every project needs them. But there's still people going out on site and site evaluations, collecting information. There's people that are you know, doing permit running, like submitting permits, you know. And so there's this whole gamut of services, you know, there's people doing procurement, getting equipment. Mm-hmm. And there's just a gamut of services. So we're seeing where best you know, we could potentially fit in mm-hmm. and offer you know, additional services outside of what we're currently doing. You know, it's a Matt's point. We really want to master the solar industry um, and dominate this industry before we start thinking other verticals. But we can be damn sure that we've been you know brainstorming and sitting around having beers talking about, okay, what next? What's, what are we doing after we really dominate the solar
2: space? And um, what verticals, what opportunities and things like that? How can we leverage this platform for
0: things that we aren't currently doing
2: I would say, it, seem, it seems like the market's kind of coming your way, right? I think there was a recent article that DTE is now going to be investing more in, in solar. I think it's it's by a Metro Airport. Correct. So, but I think the, the numbers are tiny, right? But, I mean, if you think about, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can think about renewable energy, right? One is it's a, from a national perspective, it is a, it's a, it's a national safety and security thing, right? So you're not relying on fossil fuels. You're not relying on, you know, petroleum products, less and less. So, you know, It's interesting that you know. On one hand, you you read an article like DTE investing in solar. It's like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. They just want to charge me as much money as I possibly can by burning coal or whatever the heck that they do. Um, So there's a lot of treadmills. What's that? All treadmills. I think so. That's yeah. yeah. But you know, that's I I would think that there's a lot of opportunity there, and you guys are in in a in a pretty good spot for that. And you know, by having those, being able to plug those gaps, but. So talk a little bit about that aspect, right, from a utility standpoint. Are you doing some work with utilities? Are, are there, you know, opportunities like that or legislative, right? So, you know, Obama just came out with some, you know, that he wants to reduce coal, for example, was, yeah. was a big one. Right? Imagine that's right in your roundhouse. How are you guys thinking about that? Yeah, so right now we're— That was a lot of questions, a lot of <laughs> words, and I don't <laughs> know what the hell of, I you, said. You tied them
0: all together, I, though. You, yeah. you did a good job oh, tying them. The main takeaway that I got was that solar is blowing up and it's not going anywhere. So, Amen. You know, <laughs> so, right now uh, we're focused solely on the residential market. because um, What's happening is the cost of uh, installing solar has just plumbed in. It's mm-hmm. due to the hardware costs, mm-hmm. so falling through the floor. By hardware costs, I mean like racking, modules, other equipment, and that's gotten cheaper and cheaper because of fierce competition, you know, global competition, again, on a product level the costs that have remained flat lines is your soft costs. All your design, engineering, mm-hmm. connection, that's that's our specialty. Okay. While in the residential market, you've had the advancement of third-party financing. So now homeowners don't have to pay out of pocket to put solar on their house. You know, it's like, think of it this way. When you buy a car, you typically don't go to the dealership to pay cash and lease it. You know, it's mm-hmm. essentially the same thing as solar. I mean, it makes it much more viable. Yeah. So now this residential market, you know, it's, the price has not only gotten cheaper, but now you can finance it. So you're getting this boom in all these different markets all over the United States, and it's just popping up. So it's easy for us. You know, if you're an installer and you're doing work in California and you want to move into Colorado or Arizona, it costs a lot of money with getting resources and figuring out your plan and all that. Uh, whereas us, wherever our market pops up, we can move into that with very low cost. You know, and so. Um, that's our sweet spot and that's where we see like the biggest need for the services we provide. When you go to the commercial and utilities um, scale, there's certainly a need for what we do. It's uh, a lot more complex. Um, you know, there's more involved with the permitting and interconnection process. So we want to get there. It's just, again, we're focusing on focusing on that sweet spot. Yeah, we focusing
1: it. on that, you know, is like volume too. because uh, our, our platform, Really is designed for buying. so with the residential solar uh, sort of picking up, that's you know that's where we need to find. There's yep. fewer of those; they're bigger projects, obviously. Sure. But there's fewer of them. Right. Got that's that's it. a that's great point. Size. I'm
0: yeah. glad you said that. That's a huge point because, like right now, you know we have some installers that are doing a couple hundred projects a month. That's a hmm. lot of work. Wow. So to handle that internally or outsource it to another brick and mortar firm, you often run into a lot of issues. Whereas it's like throughput, and that's the name of the game again. Yeah. You know velocity velocities can um, on the commercial side so you don't have installers doing a couple hundred commercial projects a month. It's just you know the, the sales cycle is much longer.
2: I know you guys focus on, you know, kind of the business to business aspect. So, you know, there's a lot more interest just on a personally and I imagine we can't be a you know survey one, but I'm kind of curious about putting panels on my roof. How talk to us a little bit about how much easier it is for just a consumer you know, to kind of make that happen, because it seems like there's like all these tax incentives, and what is, how, do, how does a consumer, if they're curious about solar, where do they go? Yeah, so
0: I guess it depends on which market you're in. So if you're in California, for instance, you can call one of any uh, one of a million different companies in the yellow pages or online. You know, and call them; they'll give you a free consultation. <coughs> like, okay, where do you live? They look up your address, they see how much solar they can fit on, they can do a basic financial proposal for you tell you what you're going to save what it will cost you and like yeah i want to do it and then bam you just got solar in michigan it's a little bit different because people aren't actively promoting solar installation so you know there's installations taking place and if somebody comes to us and like hey i want to go solar we have some installer partners in michigan that we work with because um, we have done some projects a number of projects in michigan uh, so we usually push that consumer that end user to one of our installers mm-hmm. they sell the project and then come to us for the design. You know, we look at it as selling a job to a consumers, a one time sale, or as selling jobs to you know, businesses or installers, mm-hmm. as a repeat business. But it's getting uh, education's half the battle, and people are getting more knowledgeable about what's going on in the solar space and how to go solar. So, I mean, now they're starting to be able to contact people because they see advertisements or they hear something on the radio for it. Or something in the podcast. Or on podcasts, yeah. And yeah. you're 100% correct. It's funny you say that because. We actually uh, got some referral business through a podcast that took place with the Energy Gang. Uh, so Jigar Shah, founder of Sun Edison, um, name dropped us in you know, a podcast he was doing with a gentleman named Barry Cinnamon, and a number of people were listening to it. A lot of people in the industry, and all of a sudden we started getting some phone calls. And like I had no idea about this podcast that took place, and our name was dropped. And yeah, what do we drop there. this one on the internet? gonna need more Ooh, circuits so right yeah are right. double our squad. <laughs>